What's happening, people? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Mike Thurston. He's a podcaster, YouTuber, and a fitness model. Me and Mike went to university 15 years ago, and yet in 2024, many of the problems that we encountered back then have gotten even worse. Why is there a lack of confidence, overly comparative mindsets, and body dysmorphia so persistent, and how do we go about fixing it? Expect to learn why male body dysmorphia is on track to overtake female body dysmorphia, what Mike's relationship with social media looks like right now, where you actually gain confidence from, whether being super highly followed on the internet makes you more or less self-assured, how your priorities should change as you get older, Mike's thoughts on Sam Sulik, and much more. I am not kidding when I say the rest of this month is insane for guests. I've got some returning monsters, some first-time highly, highly requested guests, and it's all going down next week in Vegas and LA. So make sure that you've hit the subscribe button because it's the only way that you can ensure you will not miss episodes when they go live, and it helps to support the show, and it makes me very happy indeed. So navigate to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and press the follow button. I thank you. This episode is brought to you by Nomatic. No, it's literally brought to you by Nomatic. I am on tour using their backpack to carry my laptop and my clothing across Austin and the rest of the world. I use their Carry On Pro to transport my recording gear everywhere. The team at Nomatic creates the most functional, durable, and innovative backpacks, bags, luggage, and accessories on the market. They're beautifully designed, not over-engineered, and will literally last you a lifetime with their lifetime guarantee. And best of all, if you don't love your purchase, you can return or exchange it up to 30 days after you've received it for any reason. Nomatic is offering an exclusive 20% discount on your first purchase when you go to nomatic.com slash modernwisdom and use the code modernwisdom at checkout. That's nomatic.com slash modernwisdom and modernwisdom at checkout. This episode is brought to you by... Whoop. I've worn Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free Pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap. Plus, you get your first month for free and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can buy it for free, try it for free, and if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mike Thurston. Male body dysmorphia mm. is on track to overtake female body dysmorphia within the next few decades. Does that surprise you? No, I think it's always been a thing, but especially now with how big social media is and how jacked so many people are, uh, I think, of course, it's a, it's a big problem. But do you know there's a guy who's really good at calling people out for editing their photos? 
Have you no, seen that who, guy? Who? Oh, God, I don't know his name, but he's got quite a big social media following. And basically, anybody who has photoshops their photo or videos, mm -hmm. he gets them. Oh, wow. So he's doing a good job. He's making sure that people are being truthful with the things that they're posting. But that makes you think how many people are editing, even people who are literally jacked and yeah. shredded, they are still Pushing it editing further. their photos further to bring in their waist, bring out the lats and just... It's crazy. So, especially with women as well, imagine how bad that is for the average person who's comparing themselves to all these people. Mm. And a lot of those people are actually s still editing their photos to look You've even got, more yeah, unattainable. They've peaked. They've just trained. They've got a pump. They're in good lighting. They've got a good photographer, a good camera, a good lens. They've got a tan, blah, mm. blah, blah. And then on top of that, they're editing their photos as well. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, you know. <clears throat> I think that that's, it's one thing that messed me up a little bit when I competed. So I competed twice. And obviously when you compete, that really is the best that you are going to look. Mm. Probably in your life, especially for me in terms of how low I got my body fat percentage. So when I would look in the mirror, particularly after the show, when it was like more memorable, I would be like, oh, pretty fat. Because you had yourself. Because I was comparing myself to the sub 10% body fat person that I was looking in the mirror, which is like... Well, that says it all, that not only can you have other people out there mm -hmm. in the world for guys and girls that make them feel uncomfortable about their body or they're taller or more jacked or more whatever, but you can also be that for you mm -hmm. too. You yeah. know, this is... I wanted to talk about this. Like, you know, you're 34. Four? 33. 33. I'm 35. And we're getting to the stage where we're like, right, okay, you know, recovery from workouts takes a little bit longer. Recovery from nights out mm. takes an awful lot longer. Mm. A you couple thinking, more wrinkles on the forehead. My photographer keeps reminding me of that. Cheers, Rob. Don't listen to them. <laughs> don't listen to them. Uh, yeah, just thinking about as that happens, you almost use yourself as, well, I used to be X or Y as, I mm. used to be this able to get up and, and train hard or lift this much or be this lean or eat this many calories or whatever. And then you can't. So you mm. use yourself as your own barometer and, you know, the discomfort that's associated with that mm. of not being as jacked as you used to be, not yeah. being as able to recover from workouts as you used to be. It's like a harsh realization. Like the, the body dysmorphia, I think with me in particular, I've, I've not really been that person that's always compared myself to others but more so I'm always comparing myself to myself and how good I have looked in the past. Mm. That's what I'm always comparing myself to. And you're right. I think fortunately for me now, I still feel like um, I, I don't know if I have peaked. I think, especially if I was to fine tune a few things, mm. the peak is still yet to come. Mm. But when I do have these thoughts of, okay, well, it's only downhill from here. Yeah. Then I'm like, you do know that <clears throat> I I think about that and this whatever you want to call about it like aging gracefully as mm -hmm. a man whatever that means mm -hmm. right uh, probably not taking all of your self worth from the way you look might be a good place to start mm -hmm. and I think oh you know how difficult it's going to be uh, recovery from the workouts and not being as jacked and not being the fastest guy in the room or the strongest guy in the room or whatever but then you realize that that's like women from age yeah. twenty five. Yeah, I think we we as men have got it good. Like we can we can get older and age and get the 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 gray whiskers, more wrinkles, and if still anything, it's still good. kind of 
might even make you look better. Like I remember I look back at some footage from when I was even like 20, 27, 28. And I feel personally, I look a lot better now. Mm. Like I had like, maybe it didn't help that I was like clean shaving myself all the time, but I looked. You grow into your style a little bit. But yeah, you know, for, for all that I can be chronically fearful of my own mortality and getting older and all the rest of it Mm. thinking yeah but the speed of descent isn't as rapid as it is for yeah women so yeah the the male body dysmorphia thing being on track to overtake female body dysmorphia kind of doesn't surprise me i Uh, think you you probably just have to be careful with who you're following and who you're comparing yourself to like mm. if if you were an average guy and you are following the (laughs) like top one percent of athletes in the world or the top 0.01 percent of course you're going to feel pretty small in comparison to them. So mm. it depends like for someone like me, if I am following like the elite, but you trained with Kai Green this morning. Yeah. So, but Chris so, Bumstead's in town at the moment. So if I, if I'm following them, I'm the type of person that gets inspired by it. Like I, I get motivated by that, but mm. other people can take it the opposite way and be like, Oh, that's unachievable. I'll never get there. And I feel worthless. Yeah. What's your relationship like with social media now? Oh, I think I would love to not have to be on it so much, but I know it's something which I need to be doing regularly more than ever. Like you, especially with what we do in today's day and age, you have to be everywhere. Um, even to this day, I don't like how I still get sucked into it every single time in terms of the, the doom scrolling. Mm. I go on there to do a task then I get distracted by something and then I'm scrolling. Then I still haven't up, done that. I'm like, oh, 15 minutes, fucking hell. I'm like, hang on, I didn't, I didn't do, do the, the thing, thing I was supposed to do, so you have to go back onto it again. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, from that point of view, I hate how good it is at just sucking you in and rewarding you yeah. for just getting like a notification or whatever. Um, in terms of like YouTube and stuff, I'm... I'm I'm quite selective with what I consume. Like when I go onto YouTube, I like to watch things which I'm going to no doubt get educated by. I like to watch a lot of podcasts, anything which I'm going to learn something by. Instagram as well, it's 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 a bit of a mess. I have it I like now to employ as many people as possible to just run the platform. Yeah, yeah. So that I don't have to go onto it. I still actually it's a recent thing. I don't look at comments anymore. Okay. That used to still mess with your head i think particularly like with the the gym related videos i would do a gym workout or try and do an educational video talking about like uh, how to do this exercise or whatever and then the comment section is all steroids 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 stories why are you lying to us <laughs> fake natty and it's just like i'm I'm trying to help people yet the, the whole conversation is about whether or not i'm natural hmm. and it used to annoy me so much that i actually pivoted away from making gym videos because it was so annoying that because just, no one's talking about your supposed steroid use in a lifestyle vlog in Marbella. Yeah. So like the, the less gym-related stuff in it, yeah. the, there's kind of less uh, negativity. Dude, I mean, that's, that's something that's really true, that the audience gets to influence the direction of the creator in a lot of ways. And if they make them feel very uncomfortable about whatever it is that they're mm. doing... That's they're going to start to lean away from that type of content. It was, it was one of the reasons why I got a hair transplant. Because when I was losing my hair and it was thinning really badly, I, when I look back at it now, I was like, poof, like it was pretty bad. And I was like... I don't ever remember it being no, that it bad. No, it was pretty bad. Was it? I was, there was a, a, a six-month phase where 
probably should have just shaved it. Like, you know how when everyone's losing their hair, they try and just cling onto it. Yeah. And you've just got like little strands mm. just, you know, it's looking pretty pathetic and lonely. And the whole comment section was just about, ah, he's losing his hair. Like, oh, the steroids again. Like, oh. wow. And it was just like, I'm making these videos yet. Yeah. All everybody wants to talk about is the hair loss. Yeah. Well, we spoke about this the last time that I had you on. I I mentioned that I admire the fact that you've chosen to stay out of internet drama yeah. as best you can. I think that's partly both yours and my disposition, mm -hmm. which is I'm just not very conflicty person. I quite like having been chill and and, mm -hmm. and peaceful and relaxing, and I'm not in it for the beef. But there's certainly it feels extra unfair if you haven't done made a career out of like james smith mm. right my partner in newtonic he made a career calling people out for like shit fitness advice or for lying about stuff or for editing photos or for do it being you know unethical it's kind of open season mm -hmm. for him because guess what like that's the way that you went about things i knew like as we were in the build-up launching this drink and he started doing call-out videos about prime and everything <laughs> else and i was like james you do know yeah. <laughs> that by doing this you're just yeah making it open season on us but anyway for him it's like all right well you know if you've spent a lot of time criticizing other people it's kind of open season on you that's not to say that people who've never criticized should be uh, insulated from any criticism mm. but it's just like hang on what have i done to you yeah, like, yeah. Why, why are you dragging me into this yeah but in, in, in a way i was it's kind of good in one sense because it's exposure but yes. when it is a person of authority talking shit about you mm. then they have a, a a huge audience who do listen to every word that they say Big influence and it's kind of a it's a only one argument is being put forward of course you could do a response video and give your side of it but where does it end and then they're like Never. yes he i've got him i've got him yeah yeah but i think you know even for the people that aren't content creators everybody especially with tiktok TikTok is so, the number of followers you have basically doesn't count. If you put an insane video on TikTok, guess mm. what? There's a million likes on it. You know, if it's really, really good and you catch the algorithm at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. Which means now that everybody, content creator or mother that happens to take a funny video of her dog doing something, is open to the entire internet saying, oh, that's, that's animal abuse mm. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's just, everybody's open to criticism. And I think <clears throat> some kind of, education about how to deal with criticism from strangers on the internet would probably be a pretty good thing yeah. for everybody to learn. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I remember this, when I started with YouTube, I think whenever you're on a platform that people can post anonymously, they'll go harder. They'll be more relentless with what it is that mm. they want to say. And I think that took me a bit of getting used to. And I almost had to learn okay, I've got to develop thick skin here mm. in order to just carry on with doing it. I mean, even the people who are like the the nicest guys ever that you would just, and girls, you just think, how can you not like this person? Like such a likable person. They're still getting hate for something. Tons of distaste. Yeah, well, there's an idea called the bystander effect. Do you, have you heard of this? No. So um, you have a, a, a crime. Let's say somebody's being attacked, right? In the... Um, courtyard of a bunch of flats somewhere and everybody that lives in the flats hears the attack going on and there's someone you know screaming for help or saying please ring the police or whatever all of the people think that one of the other people 
will do the right thing and call the police mm. or whatever. The bystander effect. And there's kind of a an anonymity equivalent here, which is when you know that you're not going to be found out, you can almost lean in and be a little bit, be way more mean. No one's mm. going to come after you. You're not going to be held accountable for the things you say. If it's a burner account on YouTube, like, you know, I mean, so, dude, some of the stuff, like anti-Semitism and stuff that's happened this year, yeah. On, on like random comment threads and I'll see people talking in code about like, or like, you know, whatever reverse anti-Semitism. Crazy, mm. crazy, crazy stuff. One of the things I was interested in, one of the reasons I asked about the male body dysmorphia thing and, and your relationship with social media, I don't think I've ever asked you this. What drove you in the first place to dedicate so much time to going to the gym and building a business and and doing stuff like that because it's been a very very long road significantly mm. more consistent than most people are and now it might be habit but what was it originally i think originally on the back end of when facebook was at its peak and then when instagram started i think i just liked being able to showcase all the hard work that i had put in with the gym i was like oh like this is an opportunity to show the world like this is what I've achieved. But what about before that? What about when you started training? Like, why did oh, you start right. training? So, I think it was probably a combination of a few different things because I was playing rugby for a solid nine years and I enjoyed it, but I think near the end of the last few years of playing rugby, like it's, maybe I didn't like the idea of being in a team and I, I, I became very frustrated sometimes when, I wanted to do something like I wanted to switch this game around, but I had to rely on the other 14 players to sort their shit out that I felt like a lot of the time I was out of control. Sort of, I liked the way that the gym thing was a very individual thing. It was like, it was just about you. You're in complete control. Um, I remember the first time when I, 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 I remember just walking into this, the gym at the school that I went to, I think it was probably 17 years old. And nobody was there. It wasn't really a thing. There was no, I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I put like my favorite music on the speakers and just started like just using a few of the machines. And I was just super happy doing it. And then I remember looking in the mirror and saw a little bit of a pump and I was like, fucking hell, like I look good. So it was the, the instant reward that you would get from going to the gym, which made me almost want more of it. And then I think I always wanted to just be a, a bigger guy I remember there was one point when I was on, um, I don't know if I was 15 or 16, ended up getting mugged on a bus. So I was, I was on a bus. Were you from Leeds? Leeds, yeah. yeah. Double-decker bus. And yeah, these two guys came on and basically just started fucking with me and then wanted to take my money. And I felt completely useless. I couldn't do anything about it. I was like a little skinny kid back then. So I was shook by the whole experience and I felt like completely unprepared for any kind of confrontation um, that I thought, well, I need, I need to put on some size. Like, I don't know, maybe I should learn how to fight, but the easiest thing for me to do right now is just to look like the type of guy that you probably wouldn't want to get in a fight with. And it's been, I think it's been pretty good, the fact that I've been able to put on size. I don't, I'm not the type of person that people come up to and want to start a fight with, which is good most of the time, which is good. I, can, I, I never go looking for trouble. You can overshoot that. There's definitely a size that you get to where people, yeah. people want like, to I want to fucking yeah, drop exactly. this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in this Goldilocks zone in the middle. Yeah, yeah I think um, it's so nice to hear that, to hear, and it was the same for me. Like I was, you know, skinny kid, picked on sometimes in school for not being as as like big as everybody else or whatever. And I didn't want to be like that. Mm. I, wanted, I wanted to feel like I had more 
physical formidability. Mm. And um, I don't I don't know if it had something to do with me. I used to be like really awkward with girls as well. So I don't know if that had a, I, maybe my chat was so bad that I thought, well, compensate to, count, to compensate arms. for this horrendous chat that I have, at least I can look good. And then I don't have to do as much work. Mm. <laughs> my social anxiety doesn't matter as much. <laughs> yeah, but, but even with that, man, like, all of these things are the pure, beautiful reasons why guys start going to the gym. Mm. And a good chunk of that, I think, has been lost in talk about body dysmorphia and comparison and, and you know, uh, unrealistic male body image standards and stuff like that. But so much of it is just, I want to feel more like a man mm. when I've still got kind of the body of a boy. Mm -hmm. And I want to be more attractive to women and I want to be more confident. Mm. I, I don't understand why all men don't want to try and improve their physique and the way they look. Because so much of what I have achieved to this point in time has come from my physique. Like it's, it's crazy how many doors it's opened for me, but at the same time, just the, the confidence that it gives you. I know there's quite a lot of big jacked guys who are, you know, just don't have that confidence. But if, if you are unhappy about your life or there's, there's something not going right, the, the easiest thing you can do is just to at least try and sort out your physical appearance. And usually once you sort that out, good things start coming after that. The bar's set pretty low as well if yeah. you go if you do push pull leg split three times a week for a year you're probably in the top one percent of that's all that's people. really all, all you need i think yeah. a lot of people they get um confused and they think oh well if in order to look like that or if i want to look better then i have to go to the gym six times a week and i have to start eating this boring stuff every single day mm. in reality you don't need to do that it's it's just the the consistent efforts every single week but most people they go through periods whether it be a few weeks or a few months where everything's going good and then it just, it stops. And then people come up to me and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of unhappy with my shape at the moment. I'm like, so well, tell me about your, your training. What's it been like? And they say, oh yeah, so I haven't really been to the gym for the past six months. I'm like, how have you not been to the gym for the past six months? Like, of course you're not where you want to be because you've done six months of nothing. Like you should be doing something every single week. Even if you have a bad week and you train twice, it's still better than doing nothing. This episode is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. It's a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. It's got a science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. You might ask, what do I want with an electrolyte drink? Well, it'll regulate your appetite. It'll curb cravings. It'll help improve your brain function. Best of all, it tastes phenomenal. First thing in the morning, this orange element salt in water is outstanding. Your adenosine system that caffeine acts on isn't even active for the first 90 minutes of the day, so it's pointless having a morning coffee. Your adrenal system, which is what salt acts on, is active, so this will make you feel more alert, more awake, and improve your hydration. Best of all, they've got a no BS, no questions asked refund policy, so you can buy it, and if you do not like it for any reason, they will give you your money back. That's how confident they are that you'll love it. Head to drinklmnt.com slash modern wisdom to get a free sample pack of all eight flavors with your first box that's drink lmnt.com slash modern wisdom what's that sort of journey taught you about where confidence comes from because it has to come from something more than mm, simply the way yeah. that you look yeah i learned that i think it, it's it's many different areas of life i don't think i was fully i was fully content and comfortable with the person that i was 
probably at the age of 20, 27, 28. I just feel like at that point in time, I was like, okay, yeah, my, my shit is sorted now. I think a lot of it came from being financially comfortable as well. Mm. I feel like it's quite hard to be com to be comfortable and not not comfortable sort of confident when you have no money in your account. Like you you could you could look the part, you could be, you know, great with women or great at talking, but let's say for example if I was in a room full of very successful entrepreneurs that had a lot of money, I would feel the absolute opposite of confident. I'd be like, "Wow, I really have nothing to offer." in this situation right now so the moment i got my finances sorted i was happy with my physique the way i looked the lessons which i had learned from previous relationships and just from previous work experiences what about the uh social confidence or the confidence with women as well though i think that came from just experience of having lots of different relationships because I just like now if or in the past few years when I'd been dating someone the first time or going on a first date, it's just like, oh, here we go again. Like you just know you know what to do, you know what to say, and everything is is good. But I th I think as well this being on YouTube has helped massively. So I have drastically improved my ability to speak in front of the camera, speak in front of like lots of different people to be able to have a conversation with someone to be able to entertain the audience that's watching you that has massively helped with my social interactions because most of the time like, i'm more introverted like if you look at the introverted extrovert scale i'm more on in the introverted side i think to be, before the days of youtube i was a lot more introverted like i had my my group of friends and my social circle but you never see me come out of my shell unless i was with my closest friends. And even then, if I was in a situation with like a lot of people, I'd be the quiet guy, not really saying anything. I would just listen. So the, the whole journey through the social media, the YouTube has helped me to come out of my shell. And I'm a lot more you know, confident now. I have a lot more to say. But there's still that introverted aspect to me where, let's say for example, you've had a day full of socializing, talking, whatever. I come back home and I'm like, dead. And I need to be alone just to recharge. So it's... Uh, yeah, I think I always ask myself this, and I want to ask you this as well. If there's one thing that you could change about yourself, what would it be? Because mm. for me, I think I would like, to, if I could be more extroverted, I feel like I would be able to go further with my career and everything that I'm doing because I would just naturally want to be meeting everyone, going to events, chatting to everyone, like just entertaining everyone. But to me, that's like, it's it, it, it takes a lot of work it's for me full. to do that. And even before, sometimes before there's an event, I have to psych myself up to go because I just want to stay at home and just do my thing yeah. and be alone sometimes. But I'm like, I need to go to this thing. So I have to, you know, get myself prepared. Mm. And then I go and I do it and I'm actually really happy after it's done because I went and did something I didn't want to do. And it ended up actually being like really good. There's a big hill to get over before yeah. you do it though. Yeah, I mean, that would certainly be a big, it'd be a huge change for me if I did that. It does, um, even though standing out the front of, a thousand club nights and meeting a million people, right? Across a 15 year mm. career. That, it didn't feel like socializing. I wasn't properly invested in all of these people. It was just it's like- a lot of small talk. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 which was good. Um, with drunk people. With very drunk people. <laughs> but I would have been, I, I would have liked to have tuned up the extra version as well, because it does take, 
it does take a, a good chunk of energy for me to go and do that. I've noticed that with these live shows, doing the meet and greet at the end. Oh. It's like a high-intensity oh. interval conversation of 500, 600 people in half an hour or 45 minutes. That dude, Peterson, going on this tour that he's done, which is basically a permanent, a permanent world tour, and uh, he's meeting... I think you need to get a special ticket or whatever. So there's maybe 300 people, 400 people a night that have the like big dick ticket that allows you to get the, the mm. meet and greet. But he's doing it every single night, you know, like 50 dates, 100 dates a year. I don't know how many. Dude, it's, for me, very, very exhausting. I think that he's kind of a little bit introverted at least as well. So that would be, that would be a huge change. What else do I wish that I would change? I have a good bit of self-doubt uh, mm. around whether or not I'm doing the right thing or whether I'm doing the thing right. I think, I think you're doing it right. I'm I think trying. certainly now the, result, the results are showing. But that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like when, when I see you interview these people, I'm like, fuck, you were born to do this. Thank you. And I think it's like, you're not even really got started yet. Well, like, yeah. where, what, is, what is the goal? You want to be the number one podcast in the world? Rogan's got that title, man. Like the guys are fucking... I, I liked what Patrick said about the, the three main... Uh, characteristics yes. or attributes of a good or the best uh yes. podcaster yeah one of them is having that natural curiosity and asking the right questions the other thing is being able to entertain the, the guest be a good host and the other one is actually having an audience that really want to hear your own opinion mm -hmm. on a specific topic yeah i, I had a, a conversation about this one of the q a's at the live show asked about um basically are you going to do more solo stuff over the next few years and i was so unconfident and so unprepared to think that i was bigger than i am like who am i to spout my opinion <laughs> sat at a table with andrew huberman like mm. it's obvious who's the a side here mm. right it's obviously him he's the one that's got the expertise and the the PhD from Stanford and all the rest of it. Just let him shine. And I'm really good at letting other people shine. But there definitely seems to be, I don't know, there's like, it's it's good to develop your own opinions around things and to put those forward and to have faith that what you have to say mm. might be of use or of interest to people. And more than that, to play with ideas. Think, I wonder what happens. I wonder what people think about this. I've got this idea about this thing. I wonder what people think about that. But I think for a good chunk of time as well, I was just so uh, concerned about putting something forward that made me look stupid mm. i'm gonna put this idea forward and i'm what the the, the live shows no 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 uh, on the show on the podcast so gonna have some idea i've got a take on right, whatever yeah, yeah, the yeah. whatever this thing is like don't comment on things that you know nothing mm. about but when you're sat with an expert yeah. you're always you always know nothing in comparison yeah. with the expert even if you know almost everything in comparison with a normal person that knows nothing about it right so because you're I've made a career out of being the most stupid person in every conversation. <laughs> do, do you feel like there's a pressure for you to uh, improve your knowledge in all these different areas? Because you, you've had guests on from every different industry and market. Yeah. Like, do you feel like, fuck, I need to learn more about this and more about this and more um, about this? So, Because being a good host is your ability to just have like good general knowledge about fucking everything. <laughs> That's true. So I think I, I wanted to do this as a challenge uh, a year ago. I wanted to do a day of recording where I didn't know anything about the guest. 
I didn't know who they were and I would just sit down opposite oh, them and I had to try and hold a conversation <laughs> together without like the audience realizing and me just going like, uh, so, you know, what do, what do you think most people get wrong about the world that you come from? Like, what do you, and just like, like trying to sort of work out without actually asking them, so what do you do? Um, I thought that would be kind of fun to do. Did but you do it? I'd, I'd considered, I'd still consider doing it. I, uh, it's a big long list of things that I want to do. But yeah, th I think one of the reasons why I, I steered clear of putting my own opinion forward was I didn't want to feel silly. I didn't want to say things. The internet can be a bit of a fucking ruthless place with playing right. with ideas. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to look like the idiot in the room more than you already are. But yeah, I, I know enough now to be able to hold a conversation with pretty much anybody, mm. especially if it's about them right? If it's, we're talking about fitness, we're talking about psychology, we're talking about philosophy, we're talking about politics, we're talking about whatever. It's like, I can draw out of pretty much anyone. When it comes to me having my own takes on stuff, I have things that, you know, I've got domains of expertise. You want to talk to me about training, about mental health, about psychology, evolution, like all of these things I've got. But if we start to push out into, how are we going to fix the problems of the Middle East? It's mm. like, bro, like it's not, that's not my bag. And then working out where the line is between those two, uh, and not just spouting more noise yeah, into yeah, the yeah. world, actually adding some signal, which is useful to people. That's kind of, that's something that I'm, maybe I should do more. But then another bit of me thinks, well, just bring on the guy that knows and be the person that's able to get the best yeah, answer ask, out of them. The right yeah, person. ask the fucking expert. Yeah. Like I don't need to go on WebMD and try and self-diagnose <laughs> like whatever ailment I've got. It's like, just get the doctor, the equivalent of the doctor on and speak to that person. Yeah. But there's definitely a bit of me that wants to do that doesn't just only want to be the person that mm. plays second string uh, uh, to the the expert in the room. Like it'd be great to be considered an expert in my own right. And yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting getting past that discomfort or that uncertainty about whether or not you have legitimacy mm. because everyone else has a a million letters after their name or is a PhD or is a billionaire or something. And you go, what the fuck, like, why should, like, I'm just the guy that asks mm. the questions. Speaking of discomfort, what was it like the first time doing the show? Like the very first show? Live show. Were you shitting yourself? That was nerve wracking. Yeah. Because for me, yeah, the, the thought of that is pretty fucking scary. Mm. I think as well, it's, Q and A is fine, but to, to go up there by yourself and to talk, for an hour or more about something. Like at first I was thinking, like, what the hell would I even talk about? Like what would what, what people even want to know? Mm. Like I'd, I'd, I guess I would have to sit down and think about it. I'm yeah. sure that there is an audience out there that want to hear me talk about something. Dude, I would, I'd, I'd attend. Mm. Um, but yeah, the live shows that I've done, I just did one in Dubai and now I fly to Edmonton for 20 hours with James tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. Yeah, he's going to fucking suck my soul out of me. <clears throat> he's managed to book us one of those things that's like the side-by-side -side seats as mm. well, like the with the dividing door. I'm just going to put the door up and not have to speak to him the entire <laughs> yeah. time. But standing on stage, you know, th this is kind of old trope for people that listen to Rogan and they're always on about you work in the material and the crowd energy and the room and the vibe and all this sort of stuff. But it's wild to stand on stage and and just have, you know... 80 eyes or a thousand eyes or whatever it was in the Dubai show the other night, like, two, yeah, like a, a thousand, thousand people there or whatever, like there. just looking at you and you can't see the end of the room. Yeah. It's like, it's just endless. And then you look at what Schultz has done. He sold out where the Raptors play in Canada or he just did this place in, in Australia where it's so far away that they need screen repeater screens to be able to see the fucking dude that's just this little 
dot down on that. And, and he has the pressure of having to say something funny. Oh, he's got to be funny. I mean, that's, like nearly that, every, every 10, 20 seconds, he has to say something you've funny. You've got to get a laugh. At yeah. least you don't have that pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so it's such a good insight that if you're doing a, anything close to public speaking and you manage to get four zingers in the space of an hour, like you're hilarious. Yeah. And if you're a comedian that doesn't get four zingers in a minute, you're shit. <laughs> so um, yeah, the, the criteria is very different, but it, it was, it was very nerve wracking. Um, I, the most nerve wracking one that I did was the very first work in progress show in Austin. So I ran this show four times in Austin in front of 40 people at this like tiny kind of rundown comedy club, East Austin comedy club. And I ran that four times in front of 40 people, but that's kind of even more scary. Cause you can hear like a cough oh. or you can, you can hear like someone's phone vibrate in their pocket. You can mm. hear everything. It's just you in a room. I don't even really need a mic. I could probably just speak and everyone would hear. And before I went on, I checked my uh, whoop and, you know, it's got the stress monitor. My stress is at like 2.8. You've point, been cycling. 2.8, <laughs> exactly. Nice. Good evening workout, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just scared. Um, but to be honest, man, after a while, I'd, you're so confident in the material um, because it's a set, mm. right? It's not scripted, but the idea is I know this idea is interesting and this idea is interesting and this idea makes people laugh and this idea makes people cry and this idea does whatever. And after a while, you just have faith that what you're saying is important. Mm. It'd be like me saying to you, like, here's a word-for-word -word script that you can say that will make people be interested in what you say and laugh. Learn it off by heart, go on stage and say it, and I can guarantee 100% that it'll be fine. You wouldn't feel nervous. What you're nervous about is the uncertainty of whether or not you're going to look silly up on stage. Mm. And after you've done sufficient iterations of anything... Reps in. Yeah. It's the same with the show. The only difference is that you don't have the live audience in front of you. Having a live audience in front of you and saying a thing and then watching them and being like, please love me. Like, or just at least pr please don't think that I'm totally terrible. <laughs> yeah. um, Jimmy Carr told me, a true entertainer says, if you don't love me, I don't love me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of, I can see how someone whose entire industry is, the audience needs to give me a, adoration and that's where i get my sense of self-esteem from mm -hmm. kind of the same you know looking at the bodybuilding world which is ruthless because it's not even a objective metric it's not that's 380 kilos whichever man that weighs 93 kilos picks that up wins mm -hmm. it's like subjective and ephemeral and you know it's like he's got better shape or conditioning or proportions or whatever it's very very hard but you're permanently just outsourcing your sense of self-worth to these fucking well, judges especially if you're you're competing and it's yeah it's the, it's the judges you need to impress and if for whatever reason they're not impressed they can Guess literally big delts are out this year or yeah. like big thighs are in or whatever yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah i it, but it's it's been very interesting it's been the veils have kind of fallen from my eyes a little bit about seeing super, super competent people up on stage because it they're infinitely better than I am, but you can just see it's okay. It's just mm. one step after the next. Watching Jimmy Carr in Wembley, he did two hours and 20 minutes of one-liners. must have been It must have been 400 jokes in like two and a bit hours. And I was like, oh my God. And we were with him. 30 seconds before he walked out on stage because i was checking my watch going like uh you go on stage in 10 minutes do you want us to because he mm. might need to yeah, do yeah, some yeah. pre-game ritual or whatever get his head in the game he's like no no, no it's fine stick him out stick him out and then he's like all right ready to go boss and like jimmy's about to like get the fucking headset on or whatever and walk out on stage and they're like should we leave and he's like yeah 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 crack on i'll see you out there 
Unbelievable. Crazy. But you see, you know, anyone's just accumulated those skills over time. And I think it's kind of the same with the first time that you did a YouTube video, the first time you did a podcast, the first time you did whatever. There's just this extra degree of, oh, like, yeah. I can see the people watching. And it's, yeah. yeah. First time I did a podcast, I was like, what am I doing? Who was your first one? It's Will, Will Ahmed, the founder. <laughs> went straight into the deep end with a, a CEO, founder of yeah, yeah. a, billion, a billion company. Crazy. But yeah, it's like the moment you start doing more and more of them, it just becomes normal. I can imagine like, especially for you, doing three a week, you're at what? You're in the 700s This now? will be 720, something like that, yeah. It must be so normal. Yeah, it is. And that's something that's quite bizarre, um, to do something very alien. I mean, think about this, porn stars. Mm. I would love to ask our friend Lauren whether or not it's like, whether there's still intimacy in that. Because mm. what you're looking at, a conversation like this, usually very messy, very unstructured. Is someone will get up and go and do a thing. People are on their phone. You know, there's like all structural side to things. Plus then there's cameras. Plus then there's a team of people. Mm. Plus then there's, you know, it's going out to an audience and there's going to be scrutiny and there's going to be criticism. There's going to be whatever. So it's like a something that you're familiar with in an alien environment. Mm -hmm. And I wonder whether porn stars feel the same. Something that, you can be quite familiar with, but in a even more alien environment. Like it's, it's this. Before. I think uh, I was speaking to Sterling. He's ex porn star, and he, okay. he was saying that even there with some actresses, there's just an instant chemistry that you can't really explain. But it's just like a thing, mm. and it just makes things automatically very spicy and flow naturally. Whereas sometimes it's just like robotic. There's nothing there, and it's just very forced. But yet you have to try and force that chemistry. Yeah, like tell when you watch porn if it's like if they're having a good time or not. How much porn do you watch? Oh, that's weird. That's not good. I'm a connoisseur. What's porn? Yeah, I'm a connoisseur. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird to think like, can people reintegrate? This is one thing. So I've, I've been doing therapy in uh, Austin. And this lady's great. This woman that I've been working with. Why? Why is it? Why is you need therapy? I think that everyone does. I genuinely think that everybody would benefit from just... I would love to have, uh, I don't know if it would be therapy or just to speak to an expert on relationships. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that is something, every day, every year, I'm still learning more about relationships and how do they work? Are you with the right person? Like what, I'm sure there's a lot of things wrong with me. I don't mm -hmm. think I'm an easy person to date, especially mm -hmm. with my, my job, the way I look, social media, it's... Whoever I'm in a relationship with, they have to be. They got to deal with that. Yeah, they got to deal with the fact that I'll get attention, and you know, probably if I'm with a really hot girl, which I have been in the past, like they obviously have attention as well. So, mm. But I'm cool with that. Mm. It's um, it's a tricky one, and I think I, like I, I've always been pretty horrendous at communicating. <laughs> I, that's just who I am. Like I would just, I don't know. I keep, I keep a lot of my feelings to myself, and just assume that they know what's going on or that everything's all right. When in reality you need to have a pretty hard conversation. Neil Strauss, the guy that wrote the game, who is now kind of this super aligned, awakened family man, uh, this fucking awesome quote from him that said, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Mm. Jesus Christ. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. And, you know, when you're talking about that, I, I will maybe keep my feelings to myself. I won't really mention something that's either bugging me or that I wish that I would bring up. But you 
get the sense that the other person mm. should know or might know or could know or whatever. Mm. And after a while, you almost end up building a conversation with yourself about the thing that you never said to the mm. person who didn't know it. Um, so yeah, I mean, Bill Perkins that wrote Die With Zero, one of the most dialed systems guys that I know, uh, Ali Abdal came out to <laughs> came out fucking wake surfing with us. Ali had a bad day. Bet, I bet he was good at that. Dude, <laughs> Alex O'Connor, Cosmic Skeptic, came out and stood up first first try. Yusuf, my friend, went out e-foiling yesterday over there, stood up within the first session. Ali Abdal, not like, I mean, so just insanely smart. And I think he's got, he's got like, I can't remember what he's good at. He's good at like some physical sport, but like, it wasn't fucking wake surfing. Anyway, he asked Bill Perkins, what's the number one coach that you've got out of everything, the business coaching, all the rest of it. He's like, relationship coach. Yeah. First thing he said, relationship coach, most important. And they check in. I think both partners work separately and then uh, they maybe do couples. I think after, sessions together. to begin with, in the honeymoon period is fine. You don't need any help. Like it just, it runs itself. But the longer the relationship goes on for, like after a year, after two years, that's when you have to work at it. That's what I've learned. Mm. You know, after a, a two-year relationship, there's, there's, there's things you got to work on. Um, and there's a lot still which I need to learn. I've had a lot of relationships that have been six months. <laughs> Put it that way. Honeymoon period and, on, and over. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Factor. I get asked all the time about how to build and maintain muscle. And the most important thing, the first thing you need to do, is ensure you are getting one gram per kilo of body weight in protein every single day. But as you know, if you've ever tried to cook anything ever consistently or stick to your macros, finding whole food, healthy meals that you can have conveniently every single day is difficult. This is where Factor comes in. Their fresh, never frozen meals are designed by registered dietitians and arrive ready to heat and eat in minutes. It requires zero prep. So if you're someone that says, oh, I'd love to hit my protein numbers, but I never have time to cook. Prep takes so long and I hate doing it. This is the solution for you. So if you want to make an improvement to your diet, this August you can get Factor and start eating better without the hassle. Head to the link in the description below or go to factormeals.com slash MW50 and use the code MW50 for 50% off your first order at checkout. That's factormeals.com slash MW50 and MW50 at checkout. Someone who has seen fucking insane growth is Sam Sulik. Oh God, yeah. What do you think about Sam Sulik? I'm I am this is I'm so fascinated how certain people just pop off on social media like I'm trying to understand that like, what has the formula been like I didn't I didn't know of him before until it's basically kind of you see the memes first you're like why is there a meme about this guy and then I, you go onto the Instagram you go onto the YouTube and you just see like the the following and the consistently high views and you're like oh my, what what is he what's he doing then and you watch it and it's just like pretty normal there's no fancy edits or anything cinematic it's just i think the reason why it's worked so well is because he's just gotten almost in the opposite direction instead in, in, instead of trying too hard with like the showing off and the the musics the edits he's just like this is just is that a normal guy edits? It's just it's as no music. Like after that first thing, it's yeah, just as a far as I know, edit. it's just a camera on a tripod, and he's just doing his thing and sharing his thoughts, which is very simple. But it, it can after watching it, it makes sense why it works. Mm. He, he has some in, in, a lot of insightful things to say. I think uh, I heard this term the other day: growth hacking authenticity, mm -hmm. um, and I think that. 
everybody now is so skeptical of someone that's contriving uh, a, a version of themselves. If you see someone that looks like they're trying too hard or they're mm. putting on a, a particular, it's just there's discomfort and ick and, oh, I don't yeah. like that. And I think Sam's lack of fancy car or fancy edit or fancy thumbnails or like any of that mm. is just a signal of reliability. I, I think that's what people I think are. it's very relatable. If you think about how many men are in a similar situation to him. I remember when I when I started the YouTube channel, like everything was really basic. I was in, you know, not a very, it was a terraced house in Newcastle. I was doing my meal prep video in a pretty shabby kitchen. Mm. My pots and pans were all completely fucked up. <laughs> like there was no lubrication on it. It was just sticking to everything. Mm. And I was just doing my meal prep, shopping at Lidl or Aldi and just taking it to work with me. And people love that because so many people could relate to it. And I remember the moment I kind of moved away from that, staying in more fancier places when I upgraded to my apartment in London and then I left London and came to Dubai. It was, my audience was divided. There was half of them who were like really inspired and they were like, wow, like look what he's done. I want to do this as well. And then there's the other half who were just like, I, I can't really relate to you anymore. Like I can't relate to your life. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, make, make no mistake, man. If I was to guess the revenue that Sam is making per month, forget his hostile uh, sponsorship and forget the other stuff just from AdSense. Mm. I reckon it's at least a quarter of a mil. Yeah. Because he's banging out a video nearly every day. It's and daily, it's like daily videos half of, of half a mil. Yeah, so but it's I, probably, I, I it's probably a quarter of a mil a, a month. There is always trends in the industry. Like s something comes along from nowhere and is very popular. Mm. But there's very few things that remain that popular over a long period of time. Like, will it get to a point where his style of videos are not going to do it for people? Like, it gets to a point where it's, oh, it's boring now. Like, let me find something. What's the next hot Absolutely. trending thing? Yeah. Well, there's definitely, for every trend, there is a counterculture trend. So I said this before. If you want to predict the future, look at a trend that exists now for which there hasn't yet been the exact opposite. So for every, um, let's say like Mike Thurston, well-edited fitness vlog with like cool fucking cinematic lighting and a guy with a gimbal and stuff, there's a Sam Sulik, which is kind of the same thing, but delivered in, in a very different sort of a way. Um, summer 2020, everyone's locked down, no one can go out. Summer 2021, Megan Thee Stallion does hot girl summer, dress yourself up, go out, you know, like have casual sex, like be dulled mm. and glam. Summer 2022 is feral girl summer, which is be a sloth, don't shave, don't wash. You don't need to be bothered to even leaving the house, just eat mm. beans in your pajamas. So like you have culture or trend and then counterculture or counter trend. And I think that Sam largely is not necessarily probably a worse example to use you i don't know who he's quite the antithesis of but he's definitely counter to much of the fitness industry that is contrived mm. that's like um you know kind of like the equivalent of the pop idol boy band that was like pieced together like you're the cool one and you're the whatever one it doesn't feel like that it's just yeah. some bloke going about his day but and i i said this on a, an episode with zach and people got mad about it i still think it's the truth if Sam wasn't elite level jacked, people wouldn't follow him. Mm -hmm. I think that what works about Sam, if Sam was some skinny, 
skinny fat guy that wasn't yeah. in good condition, wasn't lifting heavy and didn't have really great insight about fitness. He's just some bloke yeah. going to the gym. That's a lot of people. That's trying so. To do that's that. all. That's everyone's YouTube. Yeah. That's every person's YouTube channel. I think that Sam is a likable, relatable guy who happens to be fucking massive, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, like he's me, but better. Yeah, he's so much of what we have is relatable and is the same. And on top of that, he's you know bodybuilder huge. It's like I look at Sebum as well. Like Sebum has. This huge, huge, like he is the biggest name in bodybuilding now. And I try and think, well, okay, so why, why is that the case? Obviously he, he looks amazing, but he's such a nice, humble guy as well that I, I can't imagine why anyone would ever have a problem with him. So you combine that super jacked, amazing physique with just being a nice, humble guy. And it does, without a doubt, get harder to remain humble when you have that many people who are idolizing you and you have like over mm. 21 million people following you to not let that get to your head. Is well, there's two, two ways that it can get to your head. The first one being your ego is being inflated by everyone thinking that you're great. Mm. The second one is you becoming defensive and bitter about all of the people criticizing you. Yeah. So you, it works in two different ways. I'm going to become more harsh and, and more uh, quick to attack because people have done it to me in the past. And all of these people are telling me that I'm great and I've got five championships. How the fuck am I not like the best in the yeah. world and everyone should listen to me? Yeah. It's like hard. It's hard to hold Especially on to if you're combining things. it with like, if you're taking you know, some steroids as well, like that can also mess up with your mentality and the way that you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, you know, that I was watching uh, a, a couple of videos from the Trend Twins as well. And uh, they're like, I find them like a pretty interesting, uh, interesting pair. Like they're an interesting pair of dudes. But uh, Sam is just a fucking phenom at the moment. Uh, what's his face? Cam Haynes brought him up to Rogan yesterday on uh, on his show. Have you heard of this Sam Sulik kid? It's like, there you go. Yeah. Derek from More Plates, More Dates did it as well in a little way. I think he, you know, he purposefully didn't make his... Uh, yeah, like he, he could have definitely leveled up with the production. Yep. But is that not? No, people just wanted that, like, relatability, mm. like, high-level insight... Mm. sprinkling of autism like that's what they wanted mm. from there I, sometimes i try not to get too heavily influenced you know i've had uh, iman gadzi on the show yes and the production quality on his videos is absolutely like insane like mm -hmm. best of the best and then i'm thinking fuck maybe i need to get to that that level of production but i i don't i don't need to i just just focus on what it is that you're gonna your say thing because yeah. if you go too hard with the production it it gets a bit distracting and maybe again it becomes unrelatable how do you think about enoughness, you know, the, the stress and, and responsibility oh. and paranoia that comes along for the ride with wanting more and success and money yeah. can kind of sap the fun out of it. Do you think about yeah. enoughness? I think um, it's harder to fall asleep quicker, that's for sure. Because <laughs> when I go to bed, I'm just thinking about all the things that I need to do, should be doing and haven't done. So that's taken a hit. So I remember in my 20s, I never had, a, I, I remember just like to fall asleep straight away. Now it's a lot harder. Um, and yeah, I, th I think especially right now, I'm in a position where if I really want to, I can go full steam ahead and really take things to the next level. Like everything is in my favor. I have the team, I have, you know, I'm living here in Dubai. I'm at a point where I, I have a following, I have some respect. So let's go fully into this. But then that's going to come at a price.
and I know if, if that's something which I want to do, you know, if, if you want all the numbers to be increasing, the subscribers increasing, the views, the money, you know, I'm going to have to say goodbye to a couple of things and it's, it's going to be a sacrifice with relationships. It's going to be a sacrifice to the things which I like to do sometimes. That's like to just wake up and do nothing and do my own thing. Just go for a walk, just chill, take life easy. Like I, I love nothing more than doing that sometimes, which I had a kind of experience of doing that over the summer where I wasn't working as much, less productive, really just enjoying life and what I've achieved, fruits of my labor. But then after a couple of days or weeks of doing that, you just feel like, fuck, I'm kind of, I'm wasting my potential here. And things are starting to go in the reverse direction. And I think that was quite a, a sort of scary experience for me. I had a big break from doing the podcast. I think I got up to, um, was it was it 20 episodes? You know, I, I, I don't think I got myself into that, one percent i was just shy and i was yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah maybe that. I'm, 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 I'm the guy the i'm the fucking guy i'm yeah, that yeah. guy that gave up yeah and I'd, i noticed when i when i stopped doing the podcast um because i didn't have my team with me i was in like traveling about a bit i just i think i just wasn't for whatever reason i'd lost the motivation a little bit hmm. but i just felt um like i was doing a disservice to my audience like everyone was asking me is like when's the next episode when's the hmm. next episode and i was just like i don't know I just felt like what a fucking waste I am. Like I have this potential and opportunity to create these amazing conversations with amazing people, mm. but I'd rather just go to a beach club or go on a date with this girl or just fuck about. Well, there's a pressure that comes with that. And yeah, I think about enoughness a good bit. I wanted, I've got another episode with Hall Mosey coming up uh, probably within the next few months. I want to try and really dig into it because I know that he's 99th percentile of hardworking mm. guy. It's very inspiring to be around, but I wonder how scalable and replicable that is with people who don't have his very particular mm. quirk of mindset. I, li I listen to him and I'm like, fuck, I would like a little bit more of his yes. mindset. I, I want more of that. I like to work. I want to do more work. I, I want to do less of the the fun things that people want to do but one you thing you realize like saying i want to do less of the fun things like why are you doing more of the work presumably because the work is fun yeah. so like the more direct route to it is is just doing the fun yeah. thing i think if you if you can find a way that your your job is fun then that's that helps a lot like me and i get you as well having the opportunity to speak to some amazing people it's pretty it's a rewarding job and having a very positive impact on the world like that's it feels pretty damn good and it doesn't it doesn't really feel like work it's a pleasure to be able to do this for a living i think it's absolutely crazy like even this morning training with kai green like what i get to train with some of the best bodybuilders on the planet like it's a fucking dream yeah and i've been able i've got myself into a position where but i can do that there's, there's definitely a and again this i think this is for everybody you have opportunities that are in front of you and if you're even remotely competent at what you do, you will always have more opportunities than time to do them in. Mm -hmm. Is it your role in life to take every single opportunity that comes your way? W what is life outside of those opportunities? Yeah. Like how much are you grinding? So this great quote from Morgan Housel that says, the best measure of wealth is what you have minus what you want. And by this measure, some billionaires are broke. And it's kind of the same as, you know, what do you want from a, an achievement perspective? Like, you know what's good with me? I feel like a lot of the things I wanted to do, I did in my 20s. Mm. Like I really did. There's a list really of things. It. I really did a lot of things I wanted to do. And I think once you've done them, you realize that the majority of the time, it's not actually as good as you thought it would be. 
you do it and you're like, uh, yeah, it was good, but it was a little bit of a, it was a bit of a letdown. Like mm. I thought it was going to be better. And once you've kind of checked off more things on the list, you know, you just get like more and more motivated to actually just do, do some work and be of use. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like a, a bit of fuckery that goes on when you're a kid and you're you're happy to just bounce around and, mm. and have fun. But then as you grow up, you realize, okay, well, my time's actually fucking limited. Yeah. Like, so what am I here to do? Am I here to work and not leave anything on the table? Or am I here to find time to... This is still, dude, I'm, it must be the most common theme of questions that I've probably asked anybody this year. And it's maybe um, telling given like how this year has gone how can you balance being enough whilst wanting to be more mm. like feeling comfortable and content and your mind is where your feet are in the moment and being able to take pleasure in the things that you do and the successes that you have whilst also knowing that you don't want to leave anything on the table and you want to try and maximize your time here your brief period of 80 years on this planet and it's still, you know, Sam Harris had this really beautiful idea about the balance of being and becoming that was really lovely. But tactically, I have to say, I'm, I'm struggling to still really, really get that balance mm. nailed because so much of what you do when you want to become better, I want to become bigger, I want to become leaner, I want to become richer, I want to move to a better house, I want to move to a better neighborhood, I want to be smarter, I want to be more articulate, whatever, all of those things, as soon as you posit that ideal, you then start to compare yourself to that ideal and you find yourself lacking. And in that lack is dissatisfaction that rips you out of the present moment. But the only reason that you're doing that is presumably so that when you get there, you're like, yeah, now I can be in yeah. the present moment. But each goal that you hit just pushes another goal. You say, oh, well, like, yeah, I mean, I've done the 21st episode. So like now it's, it's got to be 50, right? Like 50 is the next goal or 100 is the next goal or it's a million, blah, 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 blah. Like there's always just yeah. another thing I, I think it's really important to celebrate the wins like to go out and like if you do hit a particular milestone just go out and celebrate it and then yeah come back and then set a new goal i think it's, the, the most difficult thing i've had now particularly when i go through phases where i'm super motivated and i want to grow it's like the friendship aspect and the relationship aspect takes a hit mm. like if you're trying to have, go full steam ahead with your business and your, all these opportunities you have in front of you. I've noticed when I've been in a relationship, any spare time I have, I have to devote that to my partner, which then means I have to fuck my friends off. Yeah. Whereas if, let's say, for example, I was single, then that gives me an opportunity to spend more time with my friends. Like to try and juggle everything is really difficult. I think Ryan Holiday's got a scene business, family, pick two. You can be a part of the scene, you can be successful in business, you can be a great part of your family, but it's really, really, really rough to do all three. Uh, who would I say that seems to have got it all? I don't know much about Joe's uh, family life, mm. uh, although it seems he seems to have got that pretty dialed. Joe um, Rogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he seems to have certainly got two of them two of them Could, sorted. Imagine us, like we're in a situ situation now, we, we don't even have kids and we're already fucking complaining. Mental, mental, <laughs> mental, mental, mental. But yeah, I, um, I know what you mean. Oliver Berkman has this other idea about uh, choose in advance what you're going to suck at, which is pretty cool. So for a period of time, you're going to work on your business and you're going to grow your net worth or you're going to try and double the revenue of your business or you're going to try and get a raise or get a promotion or do whatever. That period of life 
just as important as what are you going to do mm. is what are you prepared to sacrifice for it? Because, you know, if you need to stay late in the office three nights a week for the next six months so that your boss sees the work mm. that you're doing or so that you get more sales in or so that you do whatever it is that you need to do, your training's probably going to take a hit. Yeah. And when you start to see your condition or your fitness depreciate over time, if you're a type A go-getter, you can feel uncomfortable and say, oh, well, I, I, that shouldn't be happening. And then you take your eye off the ball of the thing that was supposed to be your thing for the next six months and then go, oh, I'll... I'll only stay late in the office one night a week and I'll get, I'll fit training, I'll slot mm -hmm. training in two more nights. You go, well, that wasn't the plan. Mm -hmm. The plan was put everything into this one thing, level myself up, and then play catch up with everything else to bring myself back up to baseline. Um, so yeah, choose in advance what you want to suck at uh, is like a really, really good tactic because it helps you when other things start to slip. Yeah, It stops it feeling like... Uh, an error or or um, a curse of some kind, and actually, is that oh, this is part of the plan. Mm -hmm. This 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 was actually part of the plan. Part of the plan was I wouldn't yeah. get to see my friends as much, or my sleep would suffer, or my fitness would suffer, or my business would suffer because mm -hmm. we've just had a kid or whatever. Yeah. Like I think that's important. And, and that thing that sucks at the moment, it's not going to suck later on. Precisely. Like you can easily switch out around. the suck. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I think, like, especially right now. For the next couple of years, next five years, I want to go all in on just, okay, let's try and build a, a solid business, businesses, whatever it might be, make myself extremely financially comfortable so that later on, you know, when I get to my late 30s, 40s, when it's time to, you know, really raise a family, I'm in a very comfortable situation where I can do that and then devote more of my time to raising my kids and being there for my partner. That's, right. the, that's the plan that I, I think I've got as well, that... One of my friends, David Perel, told me uh, most of my 20s was spent making myself into the dad that my future kids deserve. And I really like that idea that mm. you're putting a lot of work in now, which is gratifying in the moment. It would be like mm. way, way too full of myself to be like, and all of this is for the sacrifice for my future kids. It's like, no, it's not. Like I, I take loads of pleasure from the things that I do. Matt, Matt does fitness does a great job of raising his kids. Does he? He's a very good role model for being a father like he's just, chad to dad pipeline yeah he's just he's he, he's in a position where he doesn't have to go to work he's even built like a home gym at home so he can just spend more time with his family and like you yep. can just you can see how well he's raised his two boys like whenever you're around them they're just like the happiest most positive like even comfortable in front of the camera they're already like really skilled at like loads of random <laughs> different things because Matt has been there all the time to wow. teach them, educate them, and push them. But you've got to have that. It's interesting what you say. I think I always, about the finance thing, I think I always kind of steered clear of commenting on finances, largely because I came from such a fucking working class background that money was just mm. never a consideration, and it, it, it wasn't really that much of a discussion always. Um, so I kind of steered clear of talking about it. But, you know, Tate, mentioned it too that until you're financially liberated you're kind of at the mercy of a lot of things mm. and financially liberated doesn't mean like compound in romania it just means more money than you need to be able to live mm -hmm. and not having to compensate by working an insane number of hours that ruins the rest of your life outside of it you have so much more freedom yeah it is it, it, i mean it's, it's funny now as, as you as obviously the podcast has grown you have more staff to take care of like you've got salaries to pay for now you've got studios to pay for yeah it's not that you need to earn more money so you can 
live a better life. It's no, I need to also earn more money so I can take the quality of my production to the next level and ensure that I can keep giving you guys the best so I can fly to the other side of the planet (laughs) to to go and and speak to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, man. I, um, I don't know. It's, it's like a, it's been very, a very interesting year, like quite a disquieting year in some ways, like so satisfying, but also just rapid changes in status. This is one of the things about like a kid like Sam, who even more than either of us in terms of the rapidity of his change of status, people say that they want you know, fame and, and accolade and, and wealth, but just having it thrown at you is fucking terrifying. Yeah, I had this idea um, that I learned from Jimmy Carr, trajectory is way more important than position. If you're number two in the world, but last year you were number one, that is way worse than sitting at number 150, but being on a huge upward slope from number 312 months ago. Mm. There's a few reasons for this. Recency bias, if your value is increasing now, that means that you have to be popular at the moment. By looking at recent trajectory, you're selecting for only the people who are trendy right now, which really is all that we can remember. We can also romanticize where someone will be in future if they're currently hot shit. How high might they go? Who knows? Maybe to the top, maybe maybe even beyond the top. Humans struggle to realize that everything is temporary, including growth and decline. Instead, it's easy to label people as heroes and losers based on what we know of them right now so we don't have to predict a messy future. There's an old saying that there's three types of people on a ladder, one at the bottom, one at the middle, and one at the top. Which one is the best to be? The one that's still climbing. Mm. This doesn't just work for status, but possessions, achievements, wealth, sex, and everything else. It's not just how we see other people, it's also how we see ourselves. We know when we're moving up or down, when life is getting better or worse. Andrew Tate said, having things isn't fun. Getting things is fun. Another way to look at this is, any accomplishment is just a new higher bar for you to get over in future. I see this in my own work. Let's say that we do a new episode that hits a million plays in a day. Amazing. That's very exciting and a new record. Wow. Also, that means that every video in future is now going to feel unimpressive unless it does 1.1 million views or higher in 24 hours. In this way, rapid increases in status are more a curse than a blessing. Mm. So here's a theory which I co-signed with Dan Bilzerian a few weekends ago, so you know it's legit. Even though we might want our goals and accomplishments to arrive immediately, maybe a a smarter strategy is to stretch out the achievements of our dreams. We shouldn't wish for overnight success, as we would then need to be able to beat it pretty soon, lest we feel like we're declining. Instead, slow, consistent progress is a more reliable way to maintain satisfaction. Purposefully aiming for slow success strategy may actually ensure you always feel like you're going in the right yeah. direction. 100%. It's almost like when you, if you were to win the lottery, like if you were to be given 100 mil versus actually working your ass off, over time, mm-hmm. your salary or however much money you're earning gradually increases, and then you get to that point where okay, now I've got 100 mil. Which one is more satisfying? It's a curse. That would I think you would look back on it as almost certainly the best and worst day of your life at the same time. Mm. You got gifted an unbelievable amount of money or an unbelievable amount of status or whatever. How are you ever going to have a better day than that day? I always thought that was like, oh god, it'd be so cool if I won the lottery, but it would it would literally fuck me up. In the worst way. Yeah. I would hate that. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird the way that we play with status. And um, what's the energy that you're trying to prioritize in your life at the moment? Like, what is it? What sort of people do you want around you? What sort of vibe are you trying to prioritize? I think um, people who are going to help inspire me. I think that's what I struggle with sometimes on a day-to-day basis with being motivated. 
especially when you, when you've got to the point where you've got everything you really need. Like, look, I'm in this. I have a nice car. I have a nice apartment. I've got great friends. Like, I mean, what more do I really need in my life? When I spend more time with people who are ahead of me financially, business wise, whatever it might be, even just being around them gives me a. I don't know. It. it I guess I'm kind of a little bit competitive as well. Like it makes me want to be like, oh no, I want to get to that Fuels level. Fuels the fire a bit. Yeah. So it makes me think, okay, there's there's levels to achieve with this. Um, I'm certainly past the days where I was interested in like the the partying and doing that kind of thing. I think when we last spoke, it was already getting to that point. But even now I, I compare what what my desires were at the start of this year compared to what my desires are now. Mm. And they've definitely changed for the better. What do you think's caused that to happen? Um, I think just coming to the realization of what is like really important, um, knowing that a lot of things which I've wanted to do, I've done. And I think I'd, I'd put myself in a few situations this summer where I had been at like parties. Obviously I went to Ibiza a couple of times doing the usual debauchery and then, um, just thinking, fuck, I don't, <laughs> this is, I don't like doing this anymore. Yeah. I really don't like, I don't get as much enjoyment from it but i hate the way it makes me feel yeah. i think with what i'm doing now you know especially with what we do doing the podcast being on youtube i have to be on it like all the time and i actually really enjoy this elevated state which i'm at like there isn't no alcohol there's nothing which is slowing me down so if you do go out and you drink or you do anything negative for your for your health or your mindset just waking up and feeling groggy and shit is like, yeah. it's horrible. I, I want to wake up every day feeling as good as I can possibly Dial. feel. And you know, when you, you know, when you have a really good sleep and you wake up and you're like, oh my God, that was a good sleep. This and is you what it's feel like, like you've taken yeah, yeah. a friggin' limitless pill. I, I want that every day. Yeah, that's, um, I, I know Iman Gadzi is a big fan of monk mode, but mm. it's one of the most addicting parts of monk mode that nothing ever knocks you off that routine. Yeah. That you're permanently in this like, hermetically sealed box mm -hmm. right nothing is coming in nothing is nudging it nothing is breaking mm -hmm. it just perfect routine at all times yeah. and all you're optimized for is that and it can be very very addicting uh it's, it's even one thing which i i love to do i used to travel loads but now i'm actually i, I don't want to travel because it's, i know it's going to knock me off this very good you. routine yeah. which i have going on that's that's something that's cool that i kind of wish i could gift more people if i could gift them a pursuit that they're they're needing maximum sort of cognitive horsepower and they can do it sufficiently frequently that they notice the the fluctuations between themselves. The last couple of days, my sleep's just been so mm. wrecked since I've been here. I, I don't know how you do it with the amount of traveling you do. Yeah, it's it's not been easy. Most of the travel when it's with inside the US, it's fine, but the one that we did here was was pretty brutal. Um and last night we were at dinner and I was trying to think of this word. I was trying to think of this word. I was trying to think of this word and it wasn't there. And I just know that it's because I'm underslept. Yeah. And, but being able to play with that tolerance, I guess like an athlete, right? You know, the speed that you're usually able to run at or cut at or, you know, jump out or, or lift or whatever. And you go, oh, this isn't there today. Why is yeah. that not there? And then you start to investigate a little bit, but it's so cool. And knowing the, knowing the, the, contributing factors to that and then having a pursuit that allows 
to act as a barometer for it is brilliant because you go, okay, well, this is my reinforcement mechanism for me focusing on making myself better mm -hmm. because I can feel when I make myself better and I can feel when I make myself worse. And it's way easier to make myself even a tiny bit worse than it is to make myself even less of a bit better. So yeah, I think um, focusing on those, uh, focusing on like things that are going to help you be better long-term is what locks you off your good routine apart from travel. Sleep is the main one. It's the biggest determinant of how I perform on the podcast. Yeah. Um, if I haven't slept well, if I haven't trained consistently. Have you, uh, have you ever needed to cancel? Because you're that. Never, <laughs> never, 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 never. Even at my worst, I'm still, I'm still pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I'm fine to, I'm fine to take over and hold it together, but I'll know yeah. because I'll know what I could have said. Yeah, that, that feeling of regret afterwards, you're like. A little bit. It's, it's usually during. I don't have that much regret once I've, once we finish, because I'm like, oh, look, like I can't go back and redo it. But while it's happening, I find myself chastising myself about, Lex has spoken about this, you'll say a word imprecisely, or you'll say a sentence that could have been nicer, could have been more yeah. lean. And as you're saying it, you'll think that was fucking shit. Like I must, must do better. But yeah, sleep is a big one. Sugar is a huge one for me. If I've had, um, I don't know why I would do this. I wouldn't do this. But if I went and had a, a massive almond croissant and a hot chocolate or something before mm. I went to go and record, oh, all yeah. like like inflamed and yeah. sluggish and stuff, awful. But what I found I operate really well on is uh, meat and fat and a little bit of fruit on the morning. And in my, my, I can pretty much eat as much of that as I want. Yeah. And I don't ever feel a crash off the other side of it. So most mornings it's like- Because the, the fasted could be a bit risky. It is because you risk falling off a cliff yeah. and you don't have any energy. So I've found for me, ton of scrambled, like four scrambled eggs, some bacon, uh, you know, like maybe some sourdough toast, usually not. Uh, and then nice bowl of fruit or something, mixed berries or something like that. And that, if I have that at 9 a.m., that can carry me through till 3 p.m. easily, mm. just off the back of that. And then a little bit of caffeine and, and, and some other stuff will, will take me over. But yeah, man, sleep, sugar, both of those will absolutely ruin you, ruin the way that yeah, your mind works. Food fucks me up. What's going on next? What can people expect from you over the next couple of? Oh, you've got new t-shirts, which you've got on. Oh yeah, are you wearing one? I don't know. No, I no, because you the oh, only yeah. ones that you were able to give me they were, were ones stinky. that were infested <laughs> with your musk. <laughs> yeah, but, um, new products coming out with the the clothing side of things. It's an interesting journey with that. Obviously, you will be aware, like releasing a physical product. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to keep trying to scale that. I've got a course coming out mid-December. Fitness. Uh, it's going to be more so with social media, how to build so, uh, predominantly a YouTube oh, platform, cool. but how to monetize it. So how to get to the point where within six months you can make £10,000 a month off it. Wow. That is the, it's going to, that's the blueprint. Um, and yeah, just keep cracking on with the podcast. I feel as though it's doing well. Um, I'm only doing one a week and I feel like, hey, Imagine what you could achieve if you did two a week. Yeah. Like, it would just grow twice as fast. Yeah. Well, I mean... And then I have my my main channel, which is, well, you're trying to kind of water that as well. Yes. It's, I'm trying to figure out what is the optimal way to do everything so that everything kind of grows, grows together, and flourishes. Yeah. I think you should do a newsletter. I think I told you this last time. Yeah. But I think, you know, what you have felt as an enjoyment mm -hmm. from doing the podcast and having these mm -hmm. conversations, doing the same thing for yeah. writing, even if you're not a writer, which I wasn't before I started. And now I'm 200, 1,000 word blog posts in, like 200,000 words over th whatever. Would you write yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. every single week. And I, I, 
it's one of the most fun things that I do. Mm. Over a weekend, I'll think, what, what the fuck did I learn this week? There's 500 words, and then who's coming up? And then give me some, I'm always looking out for facts. I'm always looking at, it's the same reason why doing a gratitude journal is good, because you know that at the end of the day, you need to find something to be fucking grateful about. So yeah. during the day, you're always scouring for things to do it. Um, but I highly, highly recommend a newsletter. Apart from the fact that it's amazing as a, a, a marketing tool, mm. um, it's genuinely enjoyable. And I really, really think that it, it brings value to people in a way that even YouTube and podcasting can't. It's so lean and it, it really, it acts almost like a public journal for you. Yeah. And obviously you get to choose the level of uh, openness, of vulnerability, yeah. transparency about your own life. But yeah, uh, I'd subscribe the fuck out of that. So, dude, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we get up to over the next year. When's the book coming out? Oh, God. Um, should be start of 2025 um, if everything goes well. But So another year and a bit? Another year and a bit. So six months to write, six months to publish is Interesting. the way that it works. But it's the publishing thing is, is just such a big, slow behemoth mm. to spin up. Um, but yeah, should hopefully be done by then. That being said, I haven't really thought beyond this tour. I yeah. get myself back to Austin on the 11th of December and that's like, ugh, yeah. get up to that point and then limp limp to the UK for Christmas mm. and then just sleep at mum and dad's for yeah. a week. I'm looking forward to that. There'll be a at least a week period where I kind of have, so just try and forget about everything and just be in the present, especially with family. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dude, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you, bro. Pleasure as always.